Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hey, thanks for joining us again. Uh, it is so good to see you. Craig, it's good to be back. <laughs> and we can actually get to see each other because we're here in the studio together, which is awesome because it's not on this phone and you can't see the person. So we get to look at each other's eyes and faces and see responses. And you know, one of my favorite things is when I ask you a question because you're, you're, your mind goes to a different place and you get transported and you're like, oh. It's important that we be able to read each other's body language. It's funny. I've got, um, to speak to your point, I've got a couple buddies that are in the field of psychology and they're therapists and they're exhausted all the time by video conferencing, doing the Zoom whodunitry, uh, it drains them immensely and they can't get nearly as good of a read on the other person and feel connected with them. So we miss a lot when we're not in person, not paying attention. Yeah. So much. But I have no idea what we're calling this beautiful, wonderful podcast of ours, but I know that the central theme is impressive questions. Maybe not impressive, but thought-provoking. Right. And being curious, uh, using your imagination, identifying good questions that are worthy of our time. Uh, that's, that's what you and I have been enjoying doing. And that's all we're trying to do here is to capture some uh, moments that you and I would be having over coffee. Um, and we're having coffee. And uh, so we try to create some space to entertain some of these thoughts. Craig, do everybody a favor and turn up the gain on your microphone. Yes. By like three degrees. Okay. All right. There you go. Perfect. That, there you go. Now everybody can hear you loud and clear. Good. Excellent. That is good. So did you have a question or did you want me to start today? I have a question. Okay. It occurred to me this morning when I was brushing my teeth, I was wondering what the number one hurdle and impediment to your average Johnny bag of donuts walking around in this world of ours in the U S of a what's stopping Johnny bag of donuts from having a relationship with God. What do you think the number one thing is? Cause it could be a great many things, or we could take a reductionist approach and say, it's, this one element in particular that makes all those other things that might be contributing not quite as important or even play a factor at all? Well, that is a really good question. And uh, I always enjoy it when good questions are brought to the surface. I would love to know more about Johnny. Because if you tell me more about Johnny, I'd be able to um, probably pinpoint, you know, we could have a theoretical uh, conversation and say, oh, well, there's this and that. And here's the five reasons that a lot of people are turning uh, to something besides God. Um, But getting into Johnny's heart and hearing what Johnny is like might be helpful for Johnny in particular. And if 
we can go there or we can just say, let's just make it theoretical and talk about most people in America and why a lot of people have left uh, God, church. So Johnny Bag of Donuts, you might want to flesh him out and say what that looks like. Let's say Johnny is 23 years old. He just got out of college. He has a completely useless degree. He has no idea where he's going to go in the professional world. He's living with three roommates. They all have jobs, but no passion in the jobs. They're weekend warriors that go out, they get tanked on the weekends and aren't really moving in any sort of direction uh, that is satisfying with any kind of staying power, Mm. right? It's, illusory at best. And that's interesting because I think of Johnny Bag of Donuts being married (laughs) with two or three kids and driving home every night going, I don't know how I can make my wife happy and I not making enough money to support my family. And Hmm. oh boy, man, in my 20s, I felt so alive and there was so much life ahead of me. And now I have these swirling questions and this nagging numbness I don't know what to do with. So it's interesting that Johnny Bag might be a lot of different people in our culture. True. And maybe you're describing the same guy who's graduated to another fruitless stage of life where meaning continually escapes him. Yeah. And that's where I think questions and wisdom can come in. Because if Johnny was here with us and we said, Johnny, tell us about your journey, we'd probably want to just ask him enough questions to help him think through it. What have, the, what have been the promises that you have chased after um, in work, in marriage, being a parent, whatever it may be, there are promises that we are chasing. We don't even realize we're chasing. Today, every single person that's even listening to this podcast is chasing after a promise of something. Go into that. Who promised it to them? What's promising that to them? Yeah. There's, uh, you think about Cinderella. I heard a funny quote a while back and it said, uh, <laughs> Cinderella didn't ask for a prince. She just asked for a night out. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny because that's Whoa. all she wanted to do. She just wanted to go to the ball. Okay, she winds up with a prince. That's fine. But even in, in wanting a night out, wanting something, what is it? Okay, that, that ball for Cinderella brought the promise of I'll be recognized. I'll, uh, I'll not have to work. Maybe there's someone that can see value in me that is there that nobody else is recognizing. There was, there was a promise. There was an event that had a promise that was connected with it that wasn't, it wasn't stated, but it was there. The event promised that? The event promised it. The, the car people choose to drive carries a promise. Everything around us, where we go eat, the clothes we wear, the, the things that we do, the, the, the image that we are trying to portray to the world, even through social media, um, comes, comes with um, an inherent promise. If I'm able to convince the world that I am somebody, I'm doing something, then w- there's this hidden promise, then I will well, yeah, that's where we're going is uh, what's the need behind the promise? Why do we care about 
the promises that are being sold to us, I immediately go to the science of creating promises through conspicuous consumption. Think about advertising. Think about a car commercial. If you drive a Lexus, your wife is going to be a smoke show and your kids are going to make snowmen and you're going to live in Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> yes. Right? It. Yes, yes, yes. You're going to you come know, you're going to come home and your yes. smoking hot wife is having hot cocoa yes. on deck and yes. there's a Lexus with a huge bow. Yes. What's the need? What's the want yeah. behind yes. that promise? What's the yes. deepest desire of some person who's feeling yes. an empty vacuum in their heart, what is that need? Yeah. And just to take that even further, marketing is very obvious what they're trying to do. As we go through our daily lives, identifying what the promises are behind the things that we are moving towards is far more difficult. You know, it's, it's easy to see the, you know, smoke and mirrors of advertising, Trying to pause and really ask yourself, what is the promise I am looking for right now? Is it, is it peace? Is it, is it rest? Is it the, is it getting off the you know carousel of tension in the world and just being able to take a deep breath and rest? Is it, is it value? Is it meaning? A lot of it seems like belonging, and feeling valued. Yes. I think that is something that is becoming more and more scarce as probably a direct result of the natural atomization that has happened to people as technology has developed in the direction that it has. You have social media that is in no way social. It's entirely fragmenting. And so you have people crying out for attention and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they're looking in the wrong place, right? Yeah. Because um, maybe some people care, but never in the depth that somebody uh, who's crying out for, hey, like I need someone, I need something. They're never going to get that in the depth that they so desperately crave, you know, go back to the beginning of our conversation and talk about uh, our depth of interaction here versus if we were interfacing on a screen. That's night and day. So people are looking for, uh, and you've mentioned this many a time when we've met before, people are looking for authentic connections with the people around them. Um, and they're looking for something more profound than the world can offer in yes, a lot of ways. Absolutely. Right? When you you nailed it when you're talking about belonging and that's what it is for me. When you were starting to talk about belonging, I'm like, "Oh no, this is getting close to my heart." Hmm. <laughs> and the only reason that I discovered that value being so important to me is through my over responses in certain areas because I would have this strange over response to something and 
And I'd be like, get Man. very specific. Give me a tangible example of that so <laughs> I can understand what you mean. Uh, something something doesn't go well for one of my children. And all of a sudden, inside, I turned into a, a, a monkey <laughs> with his tail on fire. And I'm like, ah, this is crazy. And and I look at that and I try to contain the response on the outside, you know, and sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. But that over response in my heart revealed to me that there was something else going on, that there was something big in my soul level, at the core level of who I am that was being threatened. And I started sitting with that. What is it? What is that thing? And for me, it was belonging, that that elusive thing that I've... And so then now... But that's a jump, right? Yes. At least for me or somebody listening to this right now, to go from my kid didn't do something well boy, am I feeling a lack of belonging. Mm. So how do you get from point A to point B? Walk me through that thought process because you eventually arrived at a destination. Yes, You whittled down that block of wood that surrounded the core. But what were those intermediary steps? Yeah, very good question. Right? Yes, that's an excellent question. We'll probably have to just flush it out together because... Um, going back, uh, I, I love to create space to be curious. And so that's one of the first things I do is just try to be curious. That I think too often, if we have an over-response to something, we start blaming ourselves, shaming ourselves, and we never get to the nut. We never get to the core. We never get to the that sole um, important issue that we need to get to. Um, instead of just going, huh, I'm curious, why, why did my heart? react so strongly in that moment to that. The word that someone said, the situation that happened, a disappointing thing. Well, even you going to the place of blaming yourself is packed full of more self-awareness, I suppose, than what a lot of people's first impulse would be, which is to blame others and the entire situation and divorce it from themselves and say external factors are affecting my internal world. Yes. Therefore the world is a mess rather than saying my response to the world is a mess. Right. And that I have an internal maelstrom churning inside me and I need to figure out what the maelstrom's epicenter is. It's an excellent point. Such a good point that most people continue to try to modify the world around them and try to change circumstances instead of going, wait a second, <laughs> there's going to be a never-ending supply of that junk out there. I'm going to have to, you know, control control the demand. And as part of the process for me, God gave me kind of this this little nugget of an insight. This I've been able to apply in so many different areas. I have I have past wounds. I have present needs and I have future fears. Mm. And so trying to glance at those and say, okay, what were the wounds in my past? What were the hurt parts of my past that really made my soul ache? And I could, as I thought about it and spent time just creating space for that, I I found some lack of belonging where I didn't feel like I belonged on the playground or in the school or in certain places. And I'm like, huh, okay. And so then I I fast forward to the future and go, all right, what what are some of my greatest fears? And uh, I kind of wade through that forest a little bit and find out, wow, that I somehow at the end of the day don't belong or don't have anyone or I'm alone. And I'm like, whoa, all right, 
So that leads me to, in this present need, belonging is enormous. And my need for belonging compels me towards and away from certain things. So let's make this more tangible. Your kid misses a penalty kick in a soccer match. Yes. How I'm still missing, and I'm not saying that maybe I'm indicting myself and being a bit of a dummy, but I'm not quite seeing how you go into the place of belonging from your child not achieving in Mm -hmm. a sports match. Yes. What did that activate in you? Yes. So if this is something that actually happened or if it's a hypothetical, your kid misses the penalty kick. Yes. They're devastated. The team loses the game. Right. Where do you go? What's the mental place in your past that you are transported to yes. without your permission? Good, good, good question. And uh, me as a parent, I'll just speak for myself. My first response is staying with their story. They missed the penalty kick. And I'm so connected to their story and a fear now of uh, how is that going to impact her relationship with her teammates? How are people going to respond to her? How is the coach going to respond to her? How is that going to? And so I fast Mm. forward the future and because of my past wounds, I'm bringing tons of things to that moment that don't belong. So you're trying to insulate your children from feeling the woundedness that you feel as a lack of belonging that has occurred in your past or may exist in your future, you know how painful it feels. You say, I, as a parent, want to protect you from feeling this crushing misery that I've felt when it may not be a direct one-to-one correlation Yes. Maybe you felt disappointment that was far greater than missing a PK, right? Yep. And that, I think once that future fear for our child or someone else is, is, is activated, it seems to activate all of those different timelines. Because once our future fears are activated, then all of a sudden the, the, uh, past woundedness that hasn't been healed seems to get reactivated and our present need for belongingness seems to get activated. And now all of a sudden that moment has built itself into something that's very difficult to process in a healthy way. What does that conversation with your kid look like if you're operating from that wounded place <laughs> after the PK? <laughs> What does it look like if you're <laughs> so operating funny. from woundedness? What does yeah. it look like if you're operating from a place yeah. of steadiness? No, you just you ask really good questions. I feel like I need to lay down on a leather couch to have this conversation. No. Oh, let me. Oh my word. Okay, sure. <clears throat> to me, if I'm operating in my woundedness, I want to try to control the. Um, way that she is filtering that experience. I want to try, we have a natural way. I have a natural way of filtering that experience. Oh man. Okay. I know that that's not healthy. 
I try to identify the healthiest response possible and try to say, here, here are the thoughts that you should be thinking in this moment. Mm. And I had a friend who was very courageous that asked me a very good question one time. Why do you think you need to help her frame that moment? Right. And I said, I don't know, <laughs> but I think that's probably part of that woundedness. I'm trying to protect her, insulate them from that, that moment of pain. And um, I need the healthy me responds to that situation, staying with their story, inquiring as to what they experienced. This would be a really great thing. Hey, man, sorry it didn't work out the way it is. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What is your present experience? And stay with their story. Because my interpretation of that moment from my past woundedness is going to be very different than hers. Because she could come across come off the field and say, boy, that was really sad and, you know, I'm disappointed, but hey, let's, let's go get some ice cream. Hmm. And the belongingness, let's trace it back to belongingness. Cause we were originally talking about Johnny bag of donuts. If we can trace this all the way back, Johnny bag of donuts, what's yes. the promise? Then yes. what's the need? Yes. Now we're discussing the, Yes. Need and from where it originates. And then in that moment, um, how does she, does she have a whole lot of control over the reaction that others might have to her missing that PK? Are we getting that sense of belongingness from others? And if so, aren't we always going to be let down? Yes, 100% home run out of the park, 440 feet straight center. Because, <laughs> And that's what part of his may have contributed to Johnny Bag of Donuts, that he missed the penalty kick. Or he made the penalty kick. It doesn't matter. But if his value is somehow tied to his performance and mm. his extrapolation of his value is somehow tied to that performance, then he's going to be on that treadmill for the rest of his life. He's going to be chasing after that, which he thinks is going to promise belonging. Hey, this job will make your wife love you more because you'll make more money. You will belong more. You'll be loved more. Yes. And that's, that's the hidden promise. And so... Johnny Bag of Donuts, what does he need to know? He knows needs to know that the things that are around him that are promising him certain things will not deliver that. <laughs> that if we need belonging, we need to lean into God for that belonging. So how do you get there? Mm. Another another beautiful question. That that's a very challenging question. I think. I mean, whose faith journey is one that's entirely straightforward, linear, yeah. uh, clearly laid forth and saying, Oh, this is my, uh, walk to the father. It's about 15 steps in that direction. And I'm there. I feel the love. I belong. Yes. No more problems. Yes. Wish it looked like that. Yes. I, to me, it's very similar to that moment with the penalty kick. Let's picture ourselves as the one who missed the penalty kick. <laughs> Regardless of where your emotional response takes you or where your what core value was triggered in your heart that was that was missed, being able to sit, identify that feeling, 
And then bring that feeling into the presence of God is a magnificent thing. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament about this army that surrounded um, one of the kings in Jerusalem, and they they sent they sent this menacing letter saying, "We are going to destroy you and everything in your town and city." And the Bible says that this king took this letter, he read it, and he walked over and he laid it on the altar. Like, I love that image. Like a pro. I love that image. Think think about that. Well, that king probably was fearful and anxious and maybe confused and needed a game plan. And instead of spinning out or going to eat a plate of chocolate chip cookies or drink himself into oblivion or whatever people's escape hatch is, he said, I'm just going to take this directly to the person that cares about it most and can deal with it the best. Hmm. And that's what stands out to me in that is that there's in the way that you are describing it, there's not a whole lot of lag time, right? So I, I experience something that's very disappointing, supremely disappointing where my head and heart go immediately is a knee jerk reaction into something that is more visceral, more emotional, less contained. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the faith journey is shortening that lag time and minimizing that response and saying, okay, so this is where I am going to default. Yes. There are things and thoughts, there are thoughts that are going to occur to me and I'm not going to have a ton of control over yes. them. And you've said this to me a million and a half times. Our first thought is oftentimes not our best thought. So if that's what a faith journey looks like is eventually giving something that you're struggling with to God, it's how do we shorten the lag time? Yes. It's a muscle that we build over time. And you think about even David in the Old Testament, uh, you know, he comes up and he, he kills Goliath. Okay, fantastic. That was great. But that wasn't his first rodeo that he encountered some wild beasts we sure. find in the passages. And, sure. And maybe maybe he saw a, a wolf or a, a lion and they were a long way off and he had five minutes to be scared because this lion, this wolf was walking towards him. And then he was like, wow, okay. And he was thinking about his game plan. And just that, that maybe those were muscle building moments where now he comes into the next trial and he's like, hey, God is with me. I got this. Well, what does that look like in the modern age? You suffer from something that wounds you psychologically, emotionally. That lag time for somebody who doesn't have any kind of connection with God can sometimes take years, right? It might be a journey into alcoholism that lasts the better part of a decade. Right. And then finally it happens. And that's pretty wild that somebody would have to go through that swampy bog of nonsense and chaos yeah. to eventually arrive at the place where they're, they come to the realization, oh, this is the only answer. Yes for the deepest pain 
that I'm experiencing. Yes. So true. And, you know, I think about <clears throat> Psalm 40. And, uh, oh, of course, Psalm 40. David, well, you too made Psalm 40 popular. So, I mean, sometimes, in, <laughs> at least in, in my audience, <laughs> it might be a little bit older, 40 was a very powerful um, message and song that came through you too that talked about that psalm. You know, here I'm in the muck and mire and you set my feet upon a rock. Mm. And identifying that muck and the mire that we're in and the fact that he is the one that set up feet upon a rock is beautiful. And back to uh, J-Bags, um, you know, <laughs> he, he might not ever take the first step towards God. And that's why I think it's important for those around him that do have a connection with God to help him experience belonging and what belonging looks like to help him slowly get nudged towards God. I don't know if he's going to take the first step towards God. In fact, he doesn't need to. God says he's always taking the first step towards us. And I also think it's really important that the people around him help him understand how much he belongs, his value that he has to mm. them as a person, not as a performer, not as a producer, but just them being who they are. Yeah, we've got our blind spots, right? We sure do. And having a blind spot towards that cosmically rooted belongingness yes. is something that um, most people are wearing earthly blinders. I know yes. I was for uh, quite some time. I had no recognition of that path at yes. all. So to speak to your point, yeah, you need uh, some stewards, some shepherds, some mentors yes. to guide you and put an arm around you and say, Hey, I know you're hurting right now. And then I'm going to put a pause on that because that conversation, I know you're hurting right now, whatever the next sentence is has to really be custom tailored to them. Right. It sure does. So we've talked about this in that bringing, uh, anyone, but specifically, you know, a younger fella, on a spiritual path doesn't happen in a heartbeat. It's not that parking lot conversion. And all of a sudden J bags throws up his hands and says, I'm saved. JC, I'm all about the program. Thanks for pointing me in the right direction. I'm all set from here. He's probably going to need tens, if not hundreds of touch points, reminders, to get him moving in that direction fraction of a degree by fraction of a degree yep. until it happens. Yes. You know, maybe you've got that one person who goes full, par full parking lot mode, yeah. right? Yeah. Great. But in our highly secular culture that has really poisoned the well, mm -hmm. uh, as it relates to the words, God, church, Jesus, faith, prayer. Yeah. These are going to be foreign words that may trigger a response where J bags goes, Ugh, no thanks. Right. And that's a challenge. Well, and it's also an opportunity because what J bags is probably rejecting is something we would reject too. Because if we present a, a an image of God, to him and say, hey, what do you think about a relationship with God? He's not thinking about our picture of God and our experience of God, this 
God that says, I love you. Come, let me sure. walk with you and make a safe home for you, for your heart and emotions. And we can, we can, we can have this beautiful journey together. He's probably not th- thinking about that, God. And, uh, you know, even the other day, someone asked me, they're like, hey, why was the God of the Old Testament such a God full of wrath and anger? And I'm like, well, that's, boy, that's, that's certainly a good question and very common. And for some reason, off the top of my head, I said, you know, I don't think the God of the Old Testament is like that. There are so many hundreds of pages of the God of the Old Testament who revealed himself as a good, loving, and gracious God mm. who is forgiving, who is redeeming. And we also have some little things that people spotlight of saying, yeah, God got mad here at people who were doing things that were destroying themselves and those around him. Mm. Called a consequence. Okay, yeah, that's that's true, but maybe we kind of spotlight those things too much. So, uh, an accurate, an accurate understanding of who the Father actually is, who God actually is, is very very important. Yeah, I mean, I think the secular understanding of God via J bags, and I love that we've just gone with J bags. That was a great call by you. Um, he, like so many others, might be thinking. God's a dude with a big white beard that's posting on a cloud. At least that's what yeah. I think other people think about God. Yes. And that God is truly small yes. and not worth worshiping. Yes. And that's what J-Bags doesn't understand when you're trying to share faith yes. with him yes. is he probably makes the assumption that you are worshiping a small God. Yes. Because he doesn't have the depth of understanding totally. that comes with deep moral and spiritual pursuits. Yes. And we would make the same choices that he would. Because if you have that image of God and you say, hey, you can come to God for your belonging, when your mind goes to the white bearded and riding cloud God, it'd be like, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't know if I want to belong to that. Right. <laughs> Secondly, I think I'll just stick with my well, good paying job and my wife and kids to try to fulfill a promise of my belonging that I'll try to get that way. So there are so many wonderful questions, much more to explore in the future. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast.